rise for the reading of today's scripture. The text for our sermon today comes from Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. Those Before I start, this is one of those that has a lot of those Hebrew names. I'll do my best. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. The king ordered Ashpenza, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the mobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azera. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile him himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor in sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord and Lord the King, who has assigned your food and drink. Why, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what they see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds, of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Thanks for God's word. So, um, as, uh, as you know, church camp this weekend, so our pastors are away, uh, but we're very pleased and lucky to have Dan McMillan join us today. Uh, Dan McMillan is with International Students Ministry of Canada, 
uh, is joined by, uh, oh, sorry, uh, by Marty, his wife. My apologies, Marty. Uh, so we're very pleased to have you with us. You may remember um, Art talked about uh, Dan a few weeks ago. Uh, Dan is one of the new missionaries families that we are supporting. And uh, we're pleased to learn a little bit about uh, your ministry and to hear what you have to say to us through God's Word this morning. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Ron. Good morning. It's nice to be here. What do I do with that thing? I'm not musical. I'll put that right there. Well, uh, yeah, it was just a real uh, treat to see how much uh, prayer and intimacy there is in this congregation. It was, uh, it was uh, something that you don't see everywhere in the world on a daily basis. We, you know, we are a peculiar people, are we not? I mean, we got up this morning, we got ourselves ready to come to gather together here because of a certain perspective that, that we live our lives out of. And, uh, you know, the majority of the world around us is, uh, is up to other things. I don't know what everybody's doing. Maybe, maybe golf season's over, but a lot of people go golfing on Sunday. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, this... this uh, perspective for them doesn't have any meaning. And I, as I sat here, I noticed that, uh, that uh, this fellowship describes itself as a growing community where Jesus is worshipped, the gospel of his saving grace is proclaimed, the presence of the Holy Spirit is felt and brings a passionate love for God and all who come. Some, some thought <laughs> has gone into that. Something has been revealed to us as a people that uh, perspective that directs our lives, directs our activities in the world around us, directs our, our attitude, our actions, our, our beliefs. And uh, this past week, we've had uh, at Brentview Baptist Church, where we attend, we had a, a, just a, a great time together to bring some of the ABA churches together and, and talk about, about this, these kinds of very things. How do we work this out? in our communities together. How can we do this? And it was a pleasure to meet Joanne. I was hoping I would see you. I had a pleasure to meet her and talk to her about our uh, international student ministries coming together with this congregation and really putting our minds and our hearts and coming together on the guidance of the Holy Spirit and asking what can we do to reach this, the world that has come to us. And uh, you know, the very fact that we would even have a conversation like that is evidence of the, this kind of thought being worked out in our, in our world, in our community, and uh, a certain perspective that we've come to. And uh, that perspective, of course, is derived from passages like Daniel. God's word has is, is, is shaped us and is transforming us to be more like his son in the world. And uh, as I've... Uh, uh, we came home, uh, we, God moved us out into this sort of life transformation. And uh, many years back, uh, back in the 90s, we were sent out to, to Cambodia. And we did some uh, church, worked on a church planting team there. And uh, God so shaped our heart for the world, for, for internationals, and for what he's doing and how he is moving in, uh, in and among uh, 
all peoples in all nations, across ethnic boundaries, across geopolitical boundaries. God is the God of, of this. He's the God of, of all of his creation. This world belongs to him, we are, and we are his people, and we uh, belong to him. So as we came back, uh, back in 2014, uh, we, had, we were new to Calgary, and we were looking, I was looking for a ministry. My wife is ministers in the social service system here in Calgary. Uh, just we want we to live this out in our lives. And uh, the, it was pointed out to me through leadership at, at Brentview that there's this amazing ministry going on among international students. As international students from around the world come to us, we have an opportunity to welcome them in uh, through hospitality, through, through just having... Uh, food with them, uh, just building friendships. Every uh, Friday, almost every Friday at Brentview, there's a Focus Club, which is a club that's associated with the U of C campus. And students, newcomers, can, can get plugged into that, uh, that club, an official university campus club, and then they can get involved in us. And we work as, and International Student Ministries works as consultants to that club to help with Practical things, uh, airport ministry pickup, furniture delivery, uh, helping people, you know, if, if, they're, if they stay long enough to, to get driver's licenses, to set up banking accounts, to practical things, to just make a connection with the world that has come to us. And, and my heart, when I heard about that kind of ministry, it just brought back all of that, uh, the feelings, the emotions, sometimes the, the freaked out feeling we had. <laughs> entering uh, the Cambodian culture and feeling like, how are we ever going to survive here? How are we going to do this? The language barriers, the, the worldview issues, this, the, trying to, how do we, how can we, how are we going to make it here? So our heart was, my heart resonated with a ministry that actually prepared itself, put prayer and plans and asked, seeking God into how can we receive the world in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And God, please open up your open up hearts to those to, to receive Him. So uh, uh, when I met with Joanne and discovered that uh, you know this this church desires has been supporting this ministry in the past and desires to continue that, uh, I was very very uh, excited and pleased, and it worked out that kind of a short notice. Hey, would you come and fill in here this morning? And, yeah, I'd love to do it. I love the Word of God. I love to to get into it and, uh, and to preach it. So uh, one of our sessions, there was a, a pastor uh, pastoring an ethnic church from Edmonton, Asian, I can't remember the name, but it was an Asian congregation. And he challenged us to think about our, our partnerships as a participation in God's mission. And he used the word koinonia, our commonness, our fellowship, our, our, we're in this together. So I really uh, appreciate that that focus, that we're an extension of this vision of, of uh, every person, every tongue, every language, every tribe, uh, from representative of all of God's uh, people. One day, that's our vision that will be presented before the throne. So uh, international students is uh, something that I uh, would like to, you know, just move into further. And uh, just since June 2016, I just became the, the city director, so I'm kind of new to it, to to, you know, providing leadership for that. But I was back about a year ago in September that I became involved with it just to get a, 
get my toes wet, get a feeling for what it is this ministry is about, and I'm really excited about their vision for it and uh, international students. And I've seen uh, just how impactful this ministry can be uh, with, with international students and how it is, it's very practical at the same time, very significant means to connect people with, with Jesus. And uh, so there's not enough time to share all the stories now, but I would just like to share out of, out of uh, Daniel the story of one of the world's most famous international students. And of course, that's Daniel. You know, it wasn't really by choice. <laughs> like some of our students come from all over the world, it's their choice. They want to come, they want to come, they want to be, they want to be trained, they want to be taught, they want to be influenced in, uh, by our community, you know? So I mean, that's an, that's an amazing opportunity and a privilege for us to consider what is our role in providing the most significant a relationship that we could introduce them to. Of course, that is the, the Jesus through his, through his church, through his body. So anyway, as, uh, as Ron already read, I don't need to reread that text. I just wanted to step us through that text and see what Daniel, this involuntary <laughs> foreign exchange student from Israel to the kingdom of the Babylonians, what, what, is there some lessons in that that we can, can learn and help us to uh, navigate our own Christian faith in a world that's a bit hostile to our faith. And uh, I, what came up in, was the persecuted church. Now we can sit here and uh, some of us may have, have stories of real persecution. Personally, I, I, have, I can't say that. Uh, because of my faith, I've been persecuted in some of the ways that we were praying for this morning and brought to our attention. But in the original, to the original audience of this text that we read this morning, uh, Israel was in exile. They, they were being persecuted. And the purpose of the text was to, to comfort God's people. And the main message was that God is in control. And I heard that a few times in our, in our prayer. And in, when people were requesting prayer, just we need to be reminded. That's the, one of our, the perspective that we need to gain from God's word is that the most important thing is that God is in control. Uh, so for, like today, you think of our, of our culture, how would a modern secular historian describe this chapter if he would even take it seriously at all? But if he would, it would, it would probably just be, you know, Babylon was, a, was the world power of the day and conquered the lesser power. End of the story. Uh, from a sixth century, Babylonian priest's perspective, the gods of Babylon had conquered the God of Israel. And that was their story. That was the way they viewed it. Uh, we have a different, whole different perspective of, apart from those two in this, in this text because it's God's word and it comes from his perspective. And that we call that revelation. It's through revelation. It's through God revealing his, his character, his attributes, his, his activity in the history of mankind and what he is up to. He's laid that out for us. And for those who will receive it, we, we gain a whole new perspective and, it, and we end up, we come to these sorts of conclusions. This is how it shapes our identity. It shapes our function in the world. So I, I, there's a, a word, one word in this text and if you read it from the ESV, the NIV was good. The, the meaning is the same. But in the ESV text that, that, I've, that I've been studying out of, 
There's one word repeated three times that is key to understanding this passage. And it comes in uh, verse 2. Actually, I'll read verse 1, 2. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. You know, a a modern historian's take on that would be just simply that. But the key here is the word in in verse 2. And the Lord did what? In ESV, he gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. This is key for us to understand from, from, from the biblical revelation standpoint. Babylon didn't do its own thing and just exert its power over Israel. You know, it was, it was more than that. From the Babylonian uh, priest perspective, their conjuring and their incantations of their gods to defend them and their position in the world was, was just greater than Israel's they took over. No, <laughs> we have a key insight into what God is doing throughout the course of history, and that is he is in control. It was God that gave, the Lord that gave Jehoiakim into the hand of Judah. He didn't, he couldn't do that apart from, from God's uh, enabling, from his willingness to allow that to happen so that the course of history that he has put into place, put into plan, would take shape according to his design. So this is the first thing we need to, to, to uh, remind ourselves of over and over and over, whether we're in a place of persecution or just in our, in our workplaces. You know, in this, this world does not really support our faith. We need to keep coming back to the place to remind ourselves God is in control. We can, we can work this out in our lives because of the fact that God is who he says he is and he's going to perform each one of his... Uh, steps in that process of of redemption according to his plan so this reveals to us that uh that uh the lord is at work and the the key word there is that lord translated uh adonai into the english a large capital l small o-r-d that's signifying adonai and it's just basically for 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 the god's people in this context in this place reminded them of god's ownership He's the one who's in control. So God did this. But why, why does God do that? Why did God allow that? Well, it, was, it goes back to, it harkens back to the, the fact that God has a purpose. It goes back to Genesis. It goes back to the call in Abraham's life. Through Abraham, God was shaping a people for himself. It's because history is going somewhere. God had a plan that he was putting in action over many centuries. Of course, we know the story. Israel stumbled. Judah fell. Why? The world around them, the culture around them, they saw the greatness of Babylon. They saw the greatness of Assyria. They saw the greatness of Egypt, their neighbors. They, they took notes on how those surrounding superpowers functioned in the world and how did they gain their positions of power and prestige and uh, one-upmanship. And many times they fell into those patterns. They fell into the system of the world, and God is the one who put them in exile. And the prophets warned, you will be put into exile based on the law of Moses. Moses, it was clearly spelled out in the law, rebel, and you're going to be punished. Uh, You will be put into exile. The prophets warned, but nobody would listen. 
except a few. There was a few that listened. But the, the thing to be, uh, that they would take away from this text was we could take some comfort in this. Yes, we're in exile. Yes, we've, we've rebelled. Yes, we are not in our, in our land where things are, we're in a foreign land. We don't know how to function here. But Daniel, through his faithfulness, was able to bring comfort to God's people. So it's in this context that we see God at work in their circumstances. And, and how does that affect uh, the rest of the text? Just by reminding ourselves that, well, now we can read the text in the context of God is in control and God is... And how does that re- relate to Daniel's training? We see that for the, in the next few verses there, 3 through 7, we, we, we discover Babylon's purposes for that. And it was these, these young teenagers probably, these youth were to be... These international students were to be educated in Babylon's ways for the political purposes of Babylon. They were to serve the purposes of their expanding empire. So the best and the brightest of the surrounding uh, people that they had conquered were, were to be brought into the service of the king in order to uh, uh, further Babylon's purposes. And the first thing they did was rename these guys, right? They give them names according to the deities of the Babylonian pantheon of gods. And uh, we don't get into all the details of that, but the point was to, their identity was to be, was to be uh, transformed. But, but we know that, that Daniel and, and all of those names have meaning, and they were all pointed back to Yahweh, the God of Israel. And so Daniel, okay, I've been renamed. I, I, there's, a, I, there's, uh, there's a three-year process that's going to be in place here that I'm going to be retrained in the ways of Babylon. But Daniel decided in his heart, he resolved not to be defiled. And of course, we know that he refused to drink the food, he refused to drink the wine that the king set before him. We notice that he didn't refuse the training. He took the, tra- he, he took the training, the, the training of, of uh, the Babylonian literature and the language he received that. We don't see him uh, um, making a, an issue over that, but it's, the, it's the, the food and the wine. Well, why is that? And of course, there's, there's a lot of popular reasons, and you know, you might uh, understand one as, is a little more convincing of the other, but the, the one, one could be, maybe it was a religious reason. Maybe Daniel saw this as a, as a religious stumbling block. And back in, in, in this context, in, in the 6th century Babylon, there was a very much concern of care and feeding of the gods. So it's, you got to appease the gods so that life goes well for you. And the, the king understood that. We appease the gods of our culture. We appease the gods of our society so that we have all our ducks lined up in a row. And, and Marty knows where I'm going with this one. In, in Cambodia, we very much remember how, how, how true that was even today. In, in, in places like Southeast Asia, the spirit world is very much uh, uh, alive and active in the, in the hearts and the minds of the Cambodian people. And uh, they have a, uh, a long, uh, every year, a, a very long celebration called Jumban. And uh, it's basically like our Halloween, but it's like on steroids. Like, I mean, it's Halloween, just going out of, it's out of control, uh, 
fear, real fear. It's not fun and games. It's not dressing up in costumes. It is fear of the spirit world. So in much the same way that uh, Babylon would be caring and feeding for the gods, you'll see that today even in places like Cambodia, caring and feeding of the, the spirit world so that your household, your community, your, your business will be blessed according to uh, the desires of that. But uh, in this case, I'm not so sure that it's, it was a religious reason because the, this food that would have been blessed to the gods before it came to the king's table would have also included the vegetables, much like in Cambodia. The, it's all the food is, is blessed before it's, it's, it's offered to the gods. So, so, I mean, it could be a religious reason, but the, it was all of the food. He, and he was only refusing the, the choice cuts. The, from my perspective, it would be the ribeye steak. <laughs> Daniel will say no. I don't want that. I don't want the wine. So it's, I don't know. Maybe it was a political reason. And, and the other one was to eat at the king's table. Meant to be, to be aligned with the king. To, be in, uh, to, to fall under his covenant. To fall under the treaty of the king. And uh, we know, of course, that would be, you know, it would be maybe anathema to, a, to an Israelite at that time. We're, 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 in, we're in covenant with Yahweh. But we know that that probably wasn't the reason either. Because we see in chapter 10, eventually Daniel is eating that diet. So it's, is it religious? Well, there's reason to think maybe it wasn't a religious reason. Was it political? Well, there's a reason to think more possibly, but, but maybe not. I think maybe uh, his, uh, his reason for this could be found in, in verse 12. And the, the whole idea of testing. Test your servants for 10 days. So Daniel is basically saying, I got confidence in my God. I got confidence that my God, against all the conventional wisdom of the day, that I can eat vegetables and my God will present me at the end of this test uh, healthier looking, more, I'll look more nourished, I'll look brighter, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll meet the objective that you're looking for, but we're going to do it God's way. We're going to test, we're actually putting God to the test in this case. And it's, let's see, the, to prove the point that only God could achieve the results that, that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was looking and again, let's go back to verse 9. What did, what did, uh, what did uh, God do as a result of Daniel's... Uh, he asked permission. Can I do this? No. So he doesn't throw a big fit. He just asks again. You know, can I, can I do this? Yes, the lesser official. Can I do this? And in verse 9, it says that God gave. There's that word again. In verse 2, God gave... The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Babylon, or Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of the Babylonian king. In verse 9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. Eventually, Daniel, through God's uh, control and his direct gains, and uh, just even more perspective in the fact that God is the one who's control. I think for us, this second occurrence, this, rep this repetitive word, God gave, the Lord gave, the God was doing it, shows us that the main character in the story isn't Daniel at all. It isn't Nebuchadnezzar. It isn't the, the officials. 
It's God. God is the one that is acting and willing to carry out his purposes. So I think that's an important lesson for us as we think about our role in, in, uh, in our, relationship, our faith relationship to the world around us. This perspective that God is in control has to be uh, put before us as, as foremost. Daniel's resolve uh, in, in the actions he, he took, he never made a big fuss about anything. He asked permission, according to the NIV translation, which is, I think, good. He asked permission, verse 8 says. When that didn't work, he just asked respectively, respectfully once again to a lesser official. And his resolve to avoid defilement was it was respectful and it was, it was quiet. There was no, he didn't have a food strike. He didn't organize a picket line. He didn't do anything respectfully with permission asked these officials. Can you, would you please test us in this? Give it 10 days and let's see. And God gave favor to Daniel through these officials. God is the one at work doing this. So Daniel's resolve provides, I think, for us today, an important insight into the relationship between faith and culture, the, the culture surrounding us. And, and the struggle, I think, that we, that we discover is not to make the surrounding culture Christian, but instead, we should be asking ourselves, how can we as a Christian community live faithfully in a hostile culture, in a hostile world that does not support our faith, does not interested in our God yet? That's the key word. Not yet. But I think like Daniel, there's, we, we need to emulate that. And ultimately, uh, the conventional wisdom of our day can be prevailed as we work counterculturally in our community, in our world. This is countercultural. <laughs> our world looks at this and goes, this is, what, what are you, you out of your minds? You guys taking this seriously? Yeah, we are, because we've been given a whole new perspective on what's going on in and around us and through us. So uh, the question is to ask, where is God calling each generation for us, our generation today? Where is it that God's calling us to take a stand, to make a stand in the midst of constantly shifting culture. And I think for, for me, I'm discovering that it's been a big shift that the world has came, come to our back door. That's, that's, a, that's a relatively new thing. The world wants to come to, to our Western universities, to our campuses, and they want to be trained. They want to be influenced by us. And here we are. We're, we are really well-positioned. This church is positioned in a, in a, in a place that is just uh, really unprecedented in the world. Now, you look at the way we can, the, the information, the way it travels, the way we ourselves travel the world, we're, we're really in a global village. So how are we going to look at this international student from, from ancient times and, and try and pull that into our, into our understanding and shape our perspective? Daniel passed the test. Are we going to pass the test? Look at that, verse 15, Daniel. At the end of the ten, 10 days, it was seen that he was in better appearance. He, he and his friends, they were, they were fatter in the flesh. So that makes me feel good. Than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. They, they actually prevailed over the conventional wisdom of the, the day. All the cultural forces surrounding Daniel and his friends did not prevail over God. God showed, proved himself to be 
all that he said he would be to Daniel in exile. And in verse 17, we see, uh, as they passed that test, they went into their training. And again, as for these four youths, God did what? He gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So there's the third occurrence of the Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar. He gave him the king of Judah. God gave Daniel favor in, the, in this testing process. And thirdly, God gave them great learning and skill in the literature and the wisdom of Babylon. So these guys actually entered full into this regime of re-education. God gave them learning and skill and understanding, which reminds us again that God is in control. God distributes wisdom. He distributed wisdom to Daniel and his friends, and he'll distribute wisdom to us today. God enables his people to make a stand in the midst of a, a really a kind of a toxic mix of ungodly culture. We look at around what's going on us today, as was mentioned, I mean, even our, the election process amongst our friends to the south there. It just looks like a chaotic nightmare down there. You know, it's, we, it, it, it's, and it brings to much of the world confusion, but we have this perspective. From this text, we can draw on the fact that God is, this doesn't surprise God. He's in control, and he will provide and distribute wisdom to his people who seek it and put him to the test. Let's be countercultural. We don't need to be shaped by the, the cultural forces that surround us. And, and that's a powerful force. And, and you know, we, can, we have to make a choice. And this all points us uh, back, particularly, this idea of God giving. God gave. What ultimately do we know when we, when we fast forward several centuries, about six centuries, God ultimately gave us Jesus. God gave us his son. He so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. What does that have, has that changed our perspective? That's what's really brought fine-tuning to, to who we are. God gave his son, you know, and this really, it's, it's in the life of Jesus that this really comes to a, a really sharp focus in our minds and, and shapes and, and uh, affects our perspective on the world. So it causes us to take the, a look at Jesus, I think, who is, who is the ultimate Daniel, <laughs> I mean, Daniel was just a, a prefiguring of this ultimate one that would come. Uh, God's gift to the world. God gave his only son. God's in the, in the business of giving us everything that we need all throughout his redemptive process. So we ask ourselves, how does our Christian faith, under the guidance of, of Jesus, how, is, how does it act in the world? How, how will it work itself out? In our context, and of course, Jesus provides the answer. If, we, if you move ahead to the New Testament, John 17, the world was falling apart for, for Jesus' first disciples, and, and he, he, knew the, he knew their hearts. He knew where they were at. His message was, I do not give to you as the world gives, but I'm giving you peace. And you guys were way ahead of me on all this. That came out, the importance for peace in our hearts in the midst of uncertainties, the complexities of our world, where, where do, what are we going to stand? Where is our peace going to, where is it going to be derived from? Jesus provides the answer. It's going to come from him. It's going to come from his enabling with uh, us to 
have a perspective that's countercultural, that, that makes its way in the world according to his revealed purposes and plans. We're to be in the world, he said, but not of it. We're to be shrewd as serpents and innocent or gentle as doves. Wow, that's, that's, and we can't do that. We have no, we have to stop and just ask him, what does that even mean? But he will show us because he's in the business of giving us everything we need to, to, to take the step, the necessary steps ahead. So as Christian communities in Calgary, we live lives of allegiance to God. You know, we will inevitably be placed at odds with the values and beliefs of the surrounding culture because that's just the way it's been <laughs> from the very beginning. Adam and Eve had to, had to deal with that one right at the beginning and it's, never, and it's not going to change, you know, as long, and, and, and as long as he tarries, we're still going to be in this place where we're, we'll be living like exiles, like Daniel, like Jesus, who came to his own and they didn't receive him. We live in a strange land, like Daniel, like Jesus. We live in a strange land. And the God of modern culture is, I don't know, it could be, I think, we could probably break it down a little bit, but I think ultimately it's, it's myself. The God of our, of our society, of our culture, is self, and it creates values that are opposed to our Christian faith. Personal gratification, uh, self-realization, all these things are just eroding, eroding God's revealed design when it comes to family, when it comes to church, when it comes to our global community. You know, we're kind of, we're raised up in the Western culture to think, you know, purpose of an education is become strong and independent and, and a kind of a lone warrior. Go and make your mark in the world. You know, do what, all those things can, can whatever they can bring you, it's for you. And uh, this, is, this is where we as the church are, have to be counter-cultural because we have, a whole new, uh, we have a whole different perspective. History is going somewhere and it doesn't all point back to me. <laughs> it, points, it points to him and he will uh, provide everything we need. He will give. So Daniel prefigured Jesus, both in taking a stand against culture, at the same time allowing uh, themselves to be exposed to the confused thinking that, that surrounded them. And this is, this is the call on our lives. So what is our perspective update then, as, as of right now, today? Well, our perspective update is God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave us gifts, and the triune God together has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And I think you guys hit every one of those points. I heard something about our need to be faithful ministers of, the, of this reconciliation process that that's what that God is up to. So in view of the whole of the revealed word of God from, from the call of Abraham right to the final day. Uh, I think we can, we see ourselves, our place in, the, in, the, in the, this ongoing drama is that we are community of God's people given to the surrounding culture. God continues to give. What's he given? What's the greatest gift God gave? I mean, it was ultimately in Jesus, but Jesus' disciples are to extend that vision, extend that ministry of reconciliation into the world. So when when... It's kind of a reciprocal thing. We talked about reciprocity too in our, in our, in our conference at Brantview this past weekend. And as God 
uh, gifts us, gives us international students in our communities, we give them, we give back to them because this is, this is what we know is a reflection of the God that we know. God is a God who is always given, 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 and, and our tendency is to allow the culture to tell us we need to kind of just keep things <laughs> to ourselves, but let's break out of that, that cultural boundary, the, the things that want to hold us back from our true purpose. God has given us to the surrounding culture as witnesses to those awaiting a missionary encounter. Like, we're all missionaries. I'm not the one standing up here as the missionary. I'm just the regular dude that, that, that needs your input, that needs connectedness with this body, with this church, so that we can go out to a world with the purpose of proclaiming the gospel so that they may believe. Right out of, right out of John, that's our purpose. So it's just, I don't know how I've, I've hopefully not gone over too long. I, I apologize if I have. I kind of lose track. But uh, the first time I came back from Cambodia, I preached a 90-minute sermon. So I, I'm going to not do that to you guys today. I just, because I mean, sometimes our, our services in Cambodia can go all afternoon. We just, it just, time is a different thing there. But I'm learning. So thank you for your patience. But uh, I, guess, uh, I guess I just would like to, to thank you for your uh, participation in this vision for, for international students. As they come, they're a gift to us. And as we've received them, we have, we have something to give them, and, and that it's the greatest message they could ever receive, and that is this reconciliation between God and themselves. So as we, as we disclose in prayer, I just want to say thank you to you as a congregation. I hope this is just the very tip of the iceberg of our connecting, getting to know one another, and getting together in, in prayer, and making plans, and seeking God's will. How can we become even more of a gift to these international students that are coming to us? And the, the, the ripple effect of that, I think, is going to be amazing. And it's only going to be on that day that we're going to know for sure what kind of impact that we have had just by that change in our perspective that God is in control and he is up to uh, fulfilling his redemptive purposes in our context today. So let's just uh, close in prayer and give God thanks. God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for your word. And God, it brings perspective into our lives, into our community, into our fellowship. God, I pray that you would just please continue to give us wisdom Give us resolve. Give us your perspective, Lord, for the world. Give us your enablement. Give us your spirit and, and uh, work in our hearts and minds as we commit to coming together as a community designed to give to the world, Lord. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we just we know, Lord, that from, uh, from your activity in the world, that, that you will win. You are winning. You're going to win the day, regardless of sometimes the perspective that we're tempted to fall into. God, give us your perspective so that we can go out and serve and make a difference in this world. We thank you so much in Jesus' name and do all these things for your name's glory, we pray. Amen.